Hello, and welcome to episode 100 of the Hypnosis for Humans podcast. I'm your host, Bill Gladwell, and this show is dedicated to giving tips, techniques, and real-life advice to help you build your communication skills, expand your comfort zone, and make you a better human being. In this episode, I was asked to conduct a Zoom webinar for Empower You Ohio on the topic of making friends as an adult. If you have any questions or comments, click on the link in the episode notes or contact me through my website at hypnosisforhumans.com. On my website, you may purchase my books, hypnosis audio programs, and select services. Make sure to sign up for my newsletter, Tranced Out Tuesday. Enjoy the episode. I'm just so glad to have Bill Gladwell here tonight. For over 30 years, Bill has been a consultant, speaker, and writer focusing on hypnosis, influence, and persuasion. He's helped hundreds of thousands of humans communicate effectively and ethically influence others. This is a quote from one of his attendees at one of his seminars. Bill's talks are like how to win friends and influence people, but updated, hipper, and more effective. Bill is an expert on how humans interact. To you, this may mean meeting new humans, developing solid relationships, increasing your confidence, and having more fun. Others may want more sales, improve their negotiation skills, and increase income. i got to tell you how I met Bill. It was about 10 years ago. I tried to put a handle on the exact date, but I couldn't remember. I went to his mentalist show on Hilton Head Island, and my three kids were with me that night. Now, this was a show where literally, and you've probably all had something like this happen with your kids, where once we walked out of the show, all four of us, we talked about the show the rest of the night. How did he do that? How could that have happened? It was truly an incredible show. You would all love it. We've got to get Bill up to do it in the future. But when our board started talking about the subject of making friends as an adult, I thought of Bill right away. So Bill Gladwell, welcome to Empower You. We're so glad to have you tonight. Hello, everyone. It looks like we have about 60 participants right now. Thank you for showing up. I'm going to talk about the reasons why you might need new friends. And these can be like you moved and you just left all your friends behind and you don't have a chance to hang out with them anymore. Or some friends get married and they have kids or something happens in their life and they just kind of drop off. Maybe you got retired, for example, or maybe you got divorced and some of your friends went with the ex. Or you've outgrown friends that you had for a long time. Could be political reasons. It could be uh, something on the pandemic. You may have switched jobs. And if you switch jobs, a lot of times you leave those friends. Oh, I'm pretty introverted. That's a really good one. And uh, we're going to definitely hit on that. Kids went to college, suddenly have a lot more free time. It's important that you have friends as an adult. Friends promote a better immune functioning. So if you have friends, you will be healthier. Friends decrease the risk of disease, illness, and injury. Friends increase longevity. Friends reduce stress. Friends facilitate a speedier recovery when it comes to being sick. There's a lot of advantages to having friends. And a lot of people I know don't have a lot of friends. And they've gotten older or they're widowed or a widower and they are just lonely and they don't know how to get out and associate with other people. And as an adult, it becomes more challenging to make friends. Many adults have a fear of rejection. Some of you put that was introversion. 
Now, introversion, I don't let my clients get away with saying, well, I can't do that because I'm introverted. And here's the reason. Introversion and extroversion, a lot of people don't understand what it means. Extroversion doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, I want to be around other people all the time. I'm really friendly. And introversion doesn't mean, well, I just want to stay home all the time and I just want to be by myself. That's not what the two things mean. Extroversion and introversion are ways that you energize yourself, not the way that you act. So an extrovert gets energized and really feeds off the energy of crowds and other people. So if you go out to dinner with three friends, the extrovert is going to come home and feel really energized and really jazzed about that whole night because they got to hang out with three of their friends. And if they go to a concert, they're around other people and they like that. That's how they recharge their battery, I guess, is the best way to put it. Now, introverts, it doesn't mean introverts can't go out with three of their friends. It doesn't mean that they don't like to go to parties. It doesn't mean that they necessarily don't like to go to clubs or out to big events or concerts. It means that introverts need some time by themselves to re-energize and get their sanity back. That's how they relax is by themselves. So my wife is a big introvert. If she needs to re-energize and she's just not feeling it, she would rather just stay home, watch TV, and maybe just be with the family, sometimes by herself. If I'm not feeling like myself, I want to go out and I want to meet new people and I want to be in crowds because that's how I energize. I'm an extrovert. So that's the difference between an extrovert and introvert. You can meet people as an introvert. You just recharge a little bit different than what extroverts do. So if you say, well, I can't meet people because I'm an introvert, it is because you have that fear of rejection or you could have some imposter syndrome. If you've never heard the term imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome is that you don't think you're good enough to do the job that you're positioned in, or you don't think you're good enough to do whatever it is you might want to do in your personal life. Every time I get off stage, I had the number one show in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in Pigeon Forge. And every time I got off stage at the end of every show, after everybody left, I always made the comment to my wife. I said, I don't know why people come to my show and pay money to see me because I have this imposter syndrome. Like I'm not good enough. There's people other than me that can do better jobs. And my wife, she reminds me all the time, they come to see your show because the show is good and they like your personality. So that's imposter syndrome. A lot of CEOs have it. And that goes with making friends. A lot of people believe that they're not good enough for other people. And that's just not true. It's something that you have to overcome. And I have to remind myself of it a lot. Making new friends as an adult takes a lot of time. Studies and statistics have shown that in order to make a close relationship, a friendship with someone, it takes about 40 hours of being in the proximity of that person in order to create that friendship. And that's why a lot of friendships come out of the workplace because you're with them a long time. You're with them all day long. And if you sit with them like in the same cubicle or in the same office, you have even closer contact with them. Keep in mind, as a kid growing up, we didn't have to worry about that. We went to school and we had other students that we could play with. And we were less picky when it came to who we played with on the playground. And so it was easier to make friends at the time. You need to get your mind in the right place. 
when it comes to meeting friends and when it comes to being an introvert or imposter syndrome, think about the skills that you've learned over time or the skills that you need and build on those skills. You can't leave your social life up to chance or you won't make friends. Because if you go into the process believing that you will never make friends, you won't. And that's a mindset. A lot of people, even if you don't say that, but if you think that, and that's the same with anything, not just with making friends, but being successful, is if you have that mindset that this is just not possible for me, or this is just not who I am, or I could never do that, you're probably right, because that's the mindset that you have. If you are that kind of person, you have to change that mindset. You can make friends. Leaving your social life up to chance is not a good thing to do. It doesn't help at all. You have to have the mindset that other humans like you. Research shows that humans tend to underestimate how much they are liked by one another. Dr. Stinson, the psychology professor at the University of Waterloo, and her colleagues remarked that if humans expect acceptance, they behave warmly, which in turn will lead other humans to accept them and if they expect rejection, they will behave coldly, which will lead to less acceptance. So you have to expect that humans that you meet like you, and you will automatically have that demeanor that you are warm to them. You need to be open to meeting new humans and having new experiences. And I have a client now that I'm working with her and her husband died 30 years ago. And she doesn't have any friends and she wants to have friends, but she says, I'm just too old to make friends or I'm never going to be able to do that. If you are like that, don't be afraid to see a therapist. Don't assume that friends have to be the same gender, age, ethnic background as you. They don't have to have the same politics as you. Instead, be open and inviting and see what happens when you expand your horizons. I have a lot of friends that are opposite in my political views. I have a lot of friends that go to church. I don't go to church. I have a lot of friends that like to do certain things that I don't like to do. And they were still really good friends because we have a lot of things in common that don't involve those. So don't rule people out because of one thing. You can put that on the back burner and agree to disagree about those things. One study found the number one feature that humans look for in a friend is someone who likes and values them, according to the theory of inferred attraction. Now, inferred attraction is that humans like humans who they think like them. So when strangers interact, there was a study that was done that was found that how much one liked the other depends on how much they presumed they were liked. So when researchers followed up relationships and friendships pairs for months, what they found out is that humans who expressed affection for another person got closer relationships. And what I mean by that is those humans who expressed affection for one another, they practiced revealing to humans that they liked them. So they would say things like, or they would compliment them like, hey, I like being around you. And they would greet them warmly and they would be open about, hey, I have a good time with you. If you tell people you like them, people will like you more because they want to be liked. Start with the humans you know. You likely have humans in your life who are acquaintances. And what you should do is make a list of those people that you don't classify as a friend yet, 
that you suspect that they could be probable friends. So it could be people at work or it could be a cashier at a grocery store that you're taught to and is really nice. Or it could be somebody you meet through another friend and you don't consider them as friends, but they could be friends. You may go through nine people before you get to that one that wants to be friends with you or you want to be friends with them. It's a numbers game, but the more people you meet and the more people that you approach, you're going to end up with a handful of like five or 10 good friends. Consider extending an invitation to those people. Like, hey, do you want to go out for coffee or do you want to meet for lunch? It's like a safe place to go. And if you don't like them, you don't have to go out with them anymore. And when I say go out, just meet them as friends. If you have somebody like in your book club or any other club that you have, ask them to come to like lunch or dinner or to get coffee or to do something like uh, wine tasting other than the club that you're in. And that may spark a friendship or appetizers after work. The other thing is say yes. I have this rule for myself is that if I say yes to almost anything that somebody asked me to do, as long as I got at least only a 20% chance of getting arrested or dying. And I say that as a joke kind of, but that's really true. If Why not? Like somebody says, you want to go skydiving? I think it's pretty safe in my mind. So I would go skydiving. Somebody says, hey, you want to go on a high-speed boat? Yes. Or do you want to go to the casino? None of those things is really going to kill me or get me arrested, hopefully. I tend to say yes to those things because I get to meet more people. When someone invites you to do something, make it happen. The way that you make it happen is you put it on your calendar. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there. And then they never show up. So if you commit to something, make sure that you're committed to it and that you do it. Or you're going to get that reputation that people just don't want to ask you in the first place because you never show up. Social anxiety, the introverts and the imposter syndrome. If you get invited by somebody that this human invited you to go together with them because they wanted you there and they wanted to get to know you better. If you have social anxiety, if you have an imposter syndrome, if you're invited, it's okay to say yes because they want you there or they wouldn't have invited you. Do things you like. When you do things that you like, you'll meet people that are like you. So if you like to go to wine tastings or to sporting events, do them. And you'll meet other people that have the same interest as you. And it's a common theme. Meetup.com. And that is a website that you can join groups on. It could be gardening. It could be wine tasting. It could be sporting events. It could be hiking. It could be boating. Whatever you like to do, it's on Meetup. And what it does is you join groups where other people are doing things that you like. And then the organizers of the group will, they plan events. So if it's a hike in nature, then you can begin to join these groups and start to go to these Meetup groups and meet these people. So I, th I really like Meetup. Put the events on your calendar that you want to do, even if you have nobody else to do them with. For example, if you have a wine tasting you want to go to, put it on your calendar. And when you meet someone, you don't have to ask them to be your friend. You can say, hey, I'm going to a wine tasting on Thursday. Why don't you meet me there? And then that could be a probable friend that you can build a relationship with. Leverage your social media accounts. A lot of people have friends on social media accounts. When I say friends, this is in quotes. It's friends on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. 
but reach out to them if they're close to you and see if you can take them out to coffee or see if they want to do some kind of event outside of the social media platform. A lot of people forget about neighbors. You would probably have probable friends right across the street from you that you haven't talked to or beside you. Remember your neighbors. Can I ask you a question? This is Dan. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. So how many friends can a person really engage with and, and have a good friendship? How many people are possible? There's been studies that show about 150 people is the limit of a person's friendship circle. And it all stems really from ancient times. Back you know, 200,000 years ago, we were living on the prairies trying to stay away from saber-toothed tigers. The tribes, anything more than 150, they split off into factions. Sometimes there'd be war and fighting and everything else, but about 150 is the most that any person could have that they could consider friends is what studies show. But you should have five close friends. You are the sum of the five people that you hang around with the most. Five close friends, I think, is what you should shoot for. And I remember from high school back in the 80s is that I had about four or five close friends and we hung out together on the weekends. We went and did things together and that was our group. And we had other friends that would come in every once in a while, but it was really just five people. Does that answer your question, Dan? Yes, thank you. Luke asked a question. What's your advice for being friends with people who are opposite politically? So much polarization right now. It's impossible to talk about current events and completely apolitical topics are in short supply. What would you do? You can always come up with other topics. If they're a really good friend or a friend that you want to build a relationship with, you can agree not to talk politics. I have a lot of friends that are on the other side and we never get into the politics thing because we have so much other stuff to talk about. If politics is the only thing that you have to talk about, then you may not have enough common interest to create a close friendship with them. It is polarizing. If you really want that person to be your friend and you know that you're going to be talking politics, the best way to handle a conversation with them is to understand them as completely as you can and for them to understand you as completely as they can. Here's another interesting question. I'm in my 70s. This is from Anonymous. Younger people are just not interested in connecting with me. Is that a kind of an imposter thing right there? Or what, what, what's your take on that? It's easier to relate to someone closer to your age because you have more things in common and you have more life experiences. You have to find common ground to make that friendship. Sometimes the common ground is difficult to find. So one, uh, another one I just spotted that I, th I think is an interesting one. So many people have anxiety now. What happens if you just can't, can't get out, can't go outside your house to meet friends? What Do you have any kind of ideas or thoughts about what's a good first step or other than putting it on your calendar, which I think is a great idea? This person just said, I could crawl under a rock and stay there. It's a real battle. Any simple tips to do right here would take some time because I have to really dive into the person's psyche. Force yourself to go out maybe once a week, say I'm going out to this Starbucks or whatever it might be, and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to drink my drink and then I'm going to go back home. And it's kind of immersions therapy. So as you do it, it gets easier and easier to do. So if you don't have any help, that's a good way. It's like people that want to get healthier. Maybe they walk to the mailbox for a week and back to their house. And then they walk to the next power pole 
and walk back. And the next week they walk to the second power pole. It's a little bit at a time. Here's a uh, plug. I'm a hypnotist and I hypnotize people for that. And I have audio programs. That's what I help people with. If you feel that way, that's a horrible way to live, but you can change that with the way that you think. It's not a permanent thing. You can make that change. Carol mentioned, I think part of the reluctance to meet new people comes from a place of not wanting to seem needy and being scared of not knowing where the line is and how to behave in a way that doesn't make people want to flee from you. Here's what I consider needy. Dating, for example. If you set a date to go out on a Friday night and you set that on Monday, you don't need to text somebody Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with like, hey, how are you doing today? Or are we still on for Friday? I would wait until Thursday afternoon or evening if you had the date set for Friday and I would text, hey, are we still on for tomorrow? And that's just a courtesy thing. That way they don't brush you off and you don't brush them off. It seems like when it comes to neediness, a lot of it boils down to text messaging or messaging people over social media because it's so easy to do. But it's also a connection that we get with people. We get that dopamine hit when they text us back or we text them. Dan, you read my articles that I send out, my newsletter. I wrote one and I don't know how long ago it was, but it was on text messaging. For example, with me, if I get a message, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to respond right away because I have other stuff to do. And if I send a text message to someone, I don't expect them to respond to me immediately. Like my sister, I just talked to her. I sent her a message two days ago and she just got back with me today, but I know she's going to get back with me. Neediness is if you send a text message, for example, or a message on social media, wait for a response. Instead of saying, hey, did you get my message? Or, hey, I still haven't heard from you. I need to know this. Unless it's urgent, then give them a phone call if it's urgent. And if you feel like you're needy, you have to practice waiting that, you know, giving people some space. It's a process that you go through. Stop the process and you're no longer needy. So Anonymous, I think, asked a good question. Um, the, the person said, I've met a lot of people and have made some surface friendships but I seem to have trouble getting any further and making any deeper friendships. They seem to all remain pretty surface during the activities we're at. Any suggestions for taking these friendships maybe a little bit further? Yeah, absolutely. There is something that I teach to everybody. The first thing I teach in my communication classes and my sales classes, make sure that you ask questions that get people to think. And also don't talk as much as the other person. Let the other person talk, keep them talking. So if somebody says, I went to Hawaii, you can say, tell me a little bit more about that. Because if you can keep them talking, people like to talk about themselves and their experiences. And even if you don't do most of the talking, if you let them talk and you continue to be interested, pretend that the person you're talking to is the most interesting person in the world. Because if you can pretend to do that, if you can keep that mindset, you will continue to listen to them and ask the right kinds of questions. Find things that you like to do. And even if you don't have anybody to do them with, go and do them because you'll meet people that have common interests that do the same things that you like to do. Luke wanted to ask the question, have you ever Zoom hypnotized someone? 
what I do is I have a Zoom session, sometimes phone if people don't want to do Zoom, but I do have a Zoom session with the person that wants it. And I get all the details I need from them in about a 30 minute to 60 minute conversation that we have. And I make them a hypnosis audio program. I personalize one for them and then I send it over to them through my website so they can have it. That's how I prefer to do it. Bill, I want to give you a real compliment um, because you followed one of the things you mentioned to us, and that is you said yes. So I, I got a hold of you after reading one of your newsletters, which I'm going to let you tell everybody about in a minute. And Empower You is not, I mean, we don't have a million dollars in the bank. We're a bootstrap organization that's funded by the people. And it's it's a, it's a cool thing. And I didn't have a lot of money to pay you. And um, you know what? You answered me in two minutes. Yes. And I think that's one of your suggestions to engage people, to be interested, to work at it, to talk to everybody you can, to say yes to things. And I just thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts. I'll let you kind of close up. And then we have one last thing we have to get to, whatever you want to tell people or any kind of conclusions. Hypnosisforhumans.com. That's my website. I do a lot of things. I do hypnosis and I train people in hypnosis, but I also take clients and I do it online. I also do sales training. It's influence and persuasion is what it is. And I do the shows. So if you have a company party or a private party, I do the shows. Bill Gladwell, thank you so much for joining in. Thanks for listening to the Hypnosis for Humans podcast. Again, my name is Bill Gladwell, and I do want to hear from you with questions and comments. You can contact me by clicking on the link in the episode notes or through my website at hypnosisforhumans.com. Now get out there and be nice, my fellow humans.